miserable. That's what it is. We're in Rome. It can't be that bad, can it? But we had a couple of days which was... Oh, they were really nice. We had a little bit of rain, a little bit of delays, but today it is wet, it is cold, it is grey. I can't believe it. We're getting texts from home saying, oh, it's beautiful sunshine. I got a picture of Sven. He looks gorgeous in the sunshine out in the park. But in Rome, yeah, tough one. It is utterly, totally miserable. And it's, it's one of those days when you turn up for work and ahead of us, we've got 12 matches. We're due to be 11, but one was carried over because of the rain at the end of, of yesterday. So you're thinking, fine, bumper day, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. But when you arrive at work in the morning, and the word is there is zero percent chance of any play. I don't even. I'm not sure if I can even remember. At tournaments, there's. A, I think we we'll get a window. I think we'll have an hour. We might get 20 minutes. We might get a warm up. We might take the covers off. But today, it's been. Nothing. Zero. I mean, you are at, you believe, and as we record this, there are still, what, eight, nine, possibly ten playable hours. You're going zero. I've gone with zero. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is ridiculous. I've requested some windscreen wipers for the commentary box because <laughs> we just cannot see a thing. It is so, so wet. But I, I've gone for zero percent. I don't know if anybody else has gone for zero percent. You're, you're convinced we're going to get something. Have you ever... Have you ever done a day of commentary where there's been absolutely no play? I don't think I have. I have. It was the French Open, Roland Garros, two, maybe three years ago. I'm rubbish with dates, remembering back to things. And it was hammering down with rain. From the moment we stepped on site, the rain was horrendous, to the point it was torrential, to the point it was just obscene. So we're thinking it's going to be cancelled. And it took until, I think, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon, midday one o'clock, when they said, we've got to admit... Because it wasn't drizzly when you thought it, there might be a window. It, there was just no chance when they said players cancelled. And it was really weird because when you're at tournaments at Grand Slams, you long for a bit of downtime, don't you? You long just for an hour or two to think, OK, just breathe, maybe buy some food, do some laundry if I need to do it. Suddenly they called time and I think it was midday, one o'clock. And I didn't know what to do. I felt lost. I said, what do I do? And the hotel we were staying in that year was a 50-minute walk, 50-minute walk from site which is a little silly. Uh, but there were cars. They have media cars that go to certain hotels. So I went to where the media cars were and it was raining and I didn't have an umbrella because I never pack for rain in France, which is ridiculous because every year at the French Open, there's a little bit of it which is cold and maybe wet. So I get to where the cars are and I say, hello, could you take me to my hotel? And they say, no. And I said, well, what do you mean, no? And they said, they start running at six o'clock. And I said, no, 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 they've called it. They've called play. It's over, it's finished. There will be no one at six o'clock. No, we are told the cars start at six o'clock. So I'm standing there soaking wet saying, please, can you just take me? It's being cancelled. And they said, no, our orders are that we do not start running them to hotels till six. So I walked home 50 minutes in the rain to the point the shoes were squelching. There was water coming out of the shoes in my fairly spring summer-like attire. I was very wet and I was very cold when I got back. So that's the only day... I can remember when I was actually there and it was, yeah, that was pretty miserable. You do tend to get that, I think, with the tournament staff. They, I mean, they're very good. You can't really criticise them for following rules, but they sometimes they can be a stickler for the rules. Like They really, <laughs> there's, there's just no budging. Absolutely. And you're just thinking, really? <laughs> Come on. But I tell you what, rain delays, the worst place to be during a rain delay, other than outside, that's probably the worst <laughs> place to be in the rain, uh, under any sort of roof uh, is the player's lounge. Oh, my God. Turns into a zoo. A complete zoo. 
and there's there's nowhere else to go the whole tournament is crammed in there plus the coaches and the media everybody's there the queues are huge for lunch everybody is just sitting on floors everybody's just watching stuff everybody's bored out of their brains no one can practice because normally you've got lots of players on the practice court lots of players on the match court all of the teams the entourages will be out and about and busy doing bits and bobs but not on a day like today. I have not ventured into the players' lounge yet. <laughs> I don't know if you have, but I, I don't really want to. I might just miss lunch <laughs> because it is just so scary. There are just people everywhere and everybody's just desperately trying to get a seat and it's it's so, so crowded and so boring. And, and the trouble is with a lot of tournaments, they're not all like Indian Wells where they just have acres and acres of space. Wimbledon is particularly bad because there just isn't a lot of space everybody's crammed into one room and you think this room does not have the capacity of even 50% of the people that are in here it doesn't make any sense but that is that hands down the worst place to be so you've got to find somewhere else but I get it that it's an outdoor tournament so it's designed with people being outdoors so when you get rain and you get days like this there is nowhere you see those spectators I'm sure as you've been walking around the Foro Italico they're huddled together they're under umbrellas they're under any kind of shelter they can find and we've got to remember this is still the second round stage it's also a combined ATP and WTA event so all those people and some of the people we've got still on site Roger Federer is probably on site because due to be first match I know that Djokovic probably isn't here yet but some of the people the people that they bring with them everyone else it's a time for as you say people in the media they'll be thinking oh this is a time to get stories and I can speak to coaches so it's a time when you can get a lot done but there is just there's just nowhere to go it's it's not designed for it so everywhere is a little bit cold and a little bit damp and well Indian Wells not only have they got space they've got sunshine yeah I didn't think of that when they have an awful lot of sunshine <laughs> and blue skies I mean when there's a rain shower in Indian Wells <laughs> people run for cover when it rains in Indian Wells because it doesn't happen they're like what is this what is this stuff falling from the sky it's not normal but yes they also have an awful lot of space it's just yeah it's it's kind of weird isn't it just sit around the good thing is you get to talk to people normally when you're working in commentary shifts you're with someone and then you pass the other team that are kind of swapping in I suppose on the plus side, you'll get to sit down and have a, a little bit of a chat and a catch-up, which is something you don't normally get to do. Yeah, which, which can be nice, but it, I don't know, it, it's just so hard hanging around. And for tennis players, hanging around is something that they're very good at. They travel all of the time, and plenty of airports and planes, and <laughs> killing time is a particular <laughs> skill, something I was never very good at, which, again, was part of my struggles. Yeah, just hanging around all day and then at suddenly sunshine bursts out i don't think it's going to happen today but often it does comes <laughs> out at say 8 p.m and then you're you're on court and you've been holed up in the zoo and you you can't move you haven't got a seat you've been walking around you've been lying on the floor you're stiff as you didn't get to practice early and then they say oh great okay we can go play now and you just think oh it's so hard to get your legs going i used to really really struggle i did that once actually it was straight and open and that was not because of rain it was because of heat and we ended up going on really late maybe 9 10 p.m and the whole day i was just convinced we were not going to get on i just thought yeah, we're not going to get on and i was just exhausted by the end of the day because i think people don't realize that being on site is just really tiring particularly for players because there's just always someone you know somebody wants to talk to you and pesky journalists around 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, fancy a chat? But uh, yeah, it, it's a really tiring place to be because there's just so much going on. There's so much buzz. You can't just relax. You can't really watch TV. And I tell you what, that's the one thing. Again, well, not the one thing. I've named a few things. But another thing in the players' lounge, when it becomes a zoo, is that the Wi-Fi is rubbish because everybody's on the Wi-Fi. Everybody's down. Everybody's streaming films and downloading stuff, and so it just doesn't work. So you can't even look stuff up. You can't do anything. You can't even get Twitter to work. So it's just very difficult. It's an outdoor event. They don't plan for rain. When rain happens, everything just stops. They're, they're, I mean, there is no plan. We don't have a roof, but also there's no plan for everybody that works here. So they just have to try and, I don't know, figure something out. I know you've got a serious point to make or you're passionate about something when you start finger pointing. And there was, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of finger pointing when, when you're talking about the Wi-Fi. And can I just say that if when you were playing, I was actively journalistically in the tennis scene looking for interviews I wouldn't have approached you because I think you would have scared me a little bit I think you would have been sat someone with a bit of a scowl and I don't think I'd have been tapping you on the shoulder <laughs> right so you wouldn't have interviewed me but you're fine with Federer that sort of person <laughs> Wimbledon champion <laughs> Marion Bartoli anyone but oh Naomi Cavett oh no oh I couldn't possibly couldn't possibly I think I, I may add in Sasha Zverev to the may not approach if uh, added to fact at the moment, form-wise, not great, but he can be a little bit abrupt in his press conferences. I, I think I, yeah, I think I may have stayed away. But you said the hardest thing for you to do was in this rain delays. So you know what? What did you do? So how did you pass? You're on site in the morning. You're there to what? What did you do? Did you read? Did you listen? Did they have? Did they have podcasts then? I don't even know. No, not really. Not really. It was quite. Well, I'm old now. I remember I'm 30, so it was a long time ago. I only stopped when I was 21. So, yeah, nearly a decade ago. What did we do? Playing cards. We did have smartphones. So when I was a child playing in juniors and, uh, you know, playing county closed in Britain, like under 12s and that sort of thing, there were no smartphones, no nothing. So when it was raining, we just played cards. We played a lot of cheat. Um, that was kind of the main thing. And we just played for hours and hours and hours. That was, that was it. There was nothing else. Whereas now everyone kind of sits on their phones watching things or listening to music or playing games. Even under 12s. You're talking about under 12s. Are we having under 12s sitting there with their smartphones? Yeah, well, maybe not theirs, but they'll just take their parents and say, can I watch, I don't know, something very childish. What, you know all the, all the kiddies... You know all the kiddies' programmes. I don't know what they are. The Tweenies? Was that a thing? <laughs> Tweenies? What is that? <laughs> I, I, I am I'm familiar with... Um, there's YouTube for kids. So it's just... I mean, it's... Oh. Yeah, it's meant to be so they can click on YouTube for kids and it's all kids' stuff. So you're not going to come across any dodgy stuff or any stuff if you let them loose on the main YouTube they might find. So you get, I don't know, Paw Patrol octonauts two particular favorites in our household at the moment but i imagine at under 12s they're not going to be getting the phones and asking for octonauts and paw patrol a little bit more advanced than that <laughs> okay fair enough. <laughs> fair enough but unfortunately because of the rain i have had to change my shoes because last week in madrid it was much better weather and i was breaking in my wedding shoes in the commentary box not outside no you weren't yes not outside <laughs> but when i was inside the commentary box <laughs> not walking around outside because I don't want to mark them at all but I, I was just breaking them in again I spoke to you the other day saying I was breaking them in uh, when I was I was at home and I was listening to you on HP Tennis Radio and I yeah but that was in private that was in private 
<laughs> but nobody really comes in the commentary box. But I do sometimes stand up and that sort of thing, so broken them in a little bit. Did anyone think you were making an 80s fashion statement with your kind of white stilettos and what were you wearing, jeans and a top? <laughs> well, I got a couple of looks, but Nick McCarville very quickly said, oh, are you breaking in your wedding shoes? <laughs> he was right on it. <laughs> he knew exactly what was going on. But everybody else was just kind of looking at it, going interesting choice <laughs> to be wearing some heels <laughs> to work no one tends to wear heels when are they broken in i don't know i don't think they ever will be i'm never gonna like them i don't like wearing heels they're not that high they're really diddy baby heels but i st- still don't like it so i'm just kind of wearing them whenever i get a chance and uh trying to do the best that i i can and i think it's good it keeps me sharp for commentary you know it keeps me switched on i don't really know why Maybe because my feet hurt. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to piece that together and I've known you for a while now and there was no way I was getting any closer to what any of that meant. You did, though, talk about um, travelling and as tennis players, you travel out, there's lots of airports. Um, To go to an airport, you need a passport. You need a passport to go through the airport, to get on the plane and to get to your destination. Now... In terms of going to Rome, everyone goes at different times for different commitments and they're there for a different amount of time. But I I believe in the group of people who you went to Rome with, there may have been one less passport. Not going to name any names, but (laughs) I travelled out with a few of the team (laughs) and someone nearly missed the flight. Possibly made the flight by about 90 seconds. (gasps) I think that's what I'm going to give them. 90 seconds. Yeah, got all the way to the airport, had forgotten the the passport had to go back get the passport come back and had yeah generally about 90 seconds because they wouldn't let them go onto the plane because they wanted the bags they needed to make sure that the bags were going to get on it was about 45 minutes before the scheduled departure time so very very lucky and i tell you what The person in question arrived in Rome on time. The bag arrived in Rome, much to our surprise. I thought there was no chance (laughs) the bag was going to get here. No chance. But it all arrived. And then, as I say, by the time we caught up with you, everybody was fine, calm and relaxed. But it was a stressful day for that person. There was nothing really we could do. There was no point in me stressing for them. I was just updating them, saying, this gate, this is where it is. Run, run, run. But there was really nothing I could do other than sit and just wait for them to appear and appear they did have you ever forgotten your passport because you i don't know if you've ever tried to work out how many flights you've taken in your career slash life but were you ever close to missing a flight i have missed a flight (laughs) it wasn't because of my passport actually (laughs) this was the very first time (laughs) that i traveled without an adult i think I was probably 15 and there was me and another player who was also 15 and I used to play with her all the time and we were travelling and we were going out to the European Championships out in, is it called Cloisters in Switzerland? <laughs> and we checked in, we had loads of time and the biggest rookie mistake, we were just busy shopping and <laughs> when we got out of the shop, yeah, flight was gone. We totally and utterly missed it so that was a life lesson hang on what what can be so exciting in a shop in an airport that would make you miss your flight there's what wh smiths and there's a boots and there's a pret and there's a how did you miss your what were you buying i don't know i don't doing? i don't think we bought anything we were just browsing we had no money 
point with just brass. Had you never been in shops before? I know, and they're just the normal shops, aren't they? <laughs> Nothing too exciting. But yeah, that was a big issue because uh, our coach, <laughs> actually James Davidson, so Gloucester's is kind of up a mountain. It's a ski resort, but in the summer it's not skiing. So he had to take the, the train <laughs> journey up takes about three hours it's three separate one hour trains but obviously the flight to switzerland is not that long so we had to phone him he was halfway down to come and collect us because he was already there with the guys so he the boys were out there because they started a bit earlier and myself and my friend i'm not going to name her because i think that's really harsh myself and my friend we were coming out a little bit later because we were coming from a different tournament so we had to phone him i phoned him straight away and i said jimmy don't don't come down and pick us up. And he said, well, I'm halfway down the mountain. I've taken one one-hour train and I've just got on the second one. <laughs> he said, it doesn't stop. I can't, I can't get off. <laughs> oh, God, it was awful. So he got the second train, had to turn around, go all the way back up. So that was a fun afternoon for him. And then we flew in later that evening and didn't get our bags for a couple of days and then went to play European Championships. And do you know what? What was really surprising is that we didn't really get in much trouble. I thought that the LTA would would kind of tell us off a bit because we were on an LTA trip. It was we were, we were representing Great Britain and we were on an LTA trip. But no, they didn't tell us off really at all. They said, oh, well, you got yourself there. And Jimmy was great. Diesel just said, oh, well, at least you stopped me before the final train. <laughs> Saved me a couple of hours. I said, did we, really, did we really save you a couple of hours or did we cost you your, all, your whole afternoon? I think we possibly costed you some time. But that was the, first, the only time I've ever missed a flight. The other passport incident, the only passport incident is I lost my coach's passport. So we were out in Spain, I think we were in Barcelona, and we went through everything, checked in, no problems. And for some reason, don't know why he did it, because he normally dealt with all this sort of stuff. I was looking after the passports. And we went to some sort of booth and we had a chat with somebody. I don't, anyway, I left it at the booth. And we then got to, got to the gate, passport was gone. And then we had about a 10 minute frantic hunt for this passport. And I just retraced my steps and we managed to find it in the booth. But I was kind of standing there thinking, well, what do I do? Because I can fly home. <laughs> he can't fly home without the passport. And I, again, I was still quite young. I was only a teenager. So learning life lessons very quickly here. This is probably a year after the uh, missed flight sort of situation. This is what happens when you just get thrown into this world of responsibility. <laughs> you know, you mess stuff up. And I was thinking, it's probably poor form if I fly without him when I'm the one who's lost his passport. <laughs> so I was thinking, well, I'm going to have to cancel both of our flights, rebook both of our flights. This is just it seems madness. I can't help him if I can't find it. It's gone. He's going to have to go to the embassy, get a new one, stay out here for a few days. But... I did decide, I finally decided, I thought, no, do you know what, I will, I will stay. That would be ridiculous if I just <laughs> went home after losing his passport. And as soon as I decided that, it kind of came to me and I, I realised it was at the booth. So I, I ran back to the booth and I got it. And just some random person was like, oh, I thought you might need this. And yeah, I, I was a bit annoyed that they didn't kind of put out a tannoy or something saying, we have your passport. But so that was it. So both times... Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of worked out. It worked out, but it, it could have been quite... Both of them could have been quite bad and I could have got in a lot of trouble. I can tell you, he was not happy. He was absolutely fuming. <laughs> it's a little bit like being thrown into parenthood. 
you spend all of your life having the responsibility of your passport and maybe in your case your coach's passport which probably never ever happened again <laughs> and then suddenly you have children and you've got their passports so suddenly I moved from one passport overnight I got three passports and then my other half says well you've got three you might as well have four so now I have four passports so I, I have to remember all the time whose passport and and once um, he was going away for business I nearly gave him one of the twins passports <laughs> and that's a picture that was taken when they were this is incredible for a child's passport so obviously you need it from day dot if you're going to go anywhere um, it lasts their first passport lasts till they're five years old so the twins had their passport photos taken when they were six weeks old six weeks old what and they don't look the same well if you're familiar with eastenders my boys look like the mitchell brothers <laughs> So I look like I had a Jessica look from Marvin Palmer there, who I'm, who I'm working with in commentary this week. <laughs> he suddenly, he just suddenly turned around. Um, so their passport photos <laughs> look like Phil and Grant Mitchell because they were on, um, there's a photo place called um, Snappy Snaps. And he said, we specialise in, in baby photos. And it's interesting because in the UK, you don't have to have their eyes open. But say if um, the dad's French, so we got them French passports, they have to have their eyes open so you can see the whites of their eyes. But in the UK, they don't care. Just sort of a baby on a, on a rug or a blanket or whatever. So they're on the sort of floor and snappy snaps at six weeks old, trying to stay still and getting this photo of them. And yeah, they, they look like Phil and Grant Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, these sort of bald little round things sort of grimacing with their eyes shut are their passport photos. Now they're nearly four. And so you, they have it till they're five. So we're coming back from, from our last holiday and you hand over the passport. And you know, they look at your photo and they look at you and they try and see the resemblance. They look as if they're really making an effort. I see them doing the same with the boys. I'm like, what are you doing? There's like a couple of bald potatoes. So potatoes are bald. A couple of potatoes in these passports. And you're looking at these two children with sort of mops of hair that are sort of walking and talking. And you see them looking and they go, ah, is that that one? I'm like, how do you know the difference between the two? There's these two bald potatoes here, <laughs> and they're trying to match them <laughs> to these walking, talking, breathing people. Um, and we get this each time that I, why that they said, which one's which? We know there's two of them, but which one's which? And it does each time it makes me laugh as I hand over Philingrat Mitchell passport photos <laughs> and they try and match them up to the boys. Um, but yeah, they, they keep them till they're five. Um, so we, we've, we've still got another year <laughs> of fun. But it's absolutely... I, I can say five years ago, ten years ago, I, you can still see resemblances to me in the photos, but not from a six-week-old with no hair and his eyes closed <laughs> to a four-year-old. <laughs> it doesn't seem the most secure, does it? <laughs> I don't think that's how security works. Maybe they're trained and they can see something in the resemblance that is different. I... I I have got, yeah, I've got no idea about that. But uh, I just got a new passport this year and I'm very happy because my passport picture is a lot better than it was last time around. Does your, does Sven need a passport if he were to travel with you? How do dogs work? Yeah, doggy passport. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's going to travel. I think he's, uh, he's going to stay there. Too much, yeah, it's just too much faff really. Although, I tell you what, have you seen in the players lounge, there's this little puppy just bowling around. It's great. I don't even know who it belongs to. The puppy, honestly, you know when you kind of... It's like a baby or a, a running around toddler or a running around puppy. The, the owner or parent is normally not far away. This puppy doing whatever it wants. It's not very old. It's probably 
two to three months old. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. It was in and out of my legs. It was over there. It's And also just outside as well, just on the grass, just bowling around the practice courts. I mean, Bobby could, my, my dog would have done, in, in the time that this dog was roaming around, my dog would have done a number of things, would have killed itself itself over and over Sven would be gone he would have drowned in the the swimming pool that's just over to the right he would have run out the gate and onto the road and you know what the Italian drivers are like around these parts so he would have been gone there it just it's just a nightmare but this puppy's just kind of rocking it out doing what it wants and then occasionally the owner comes out and says ah where's my puppy and picks him up and off they go it's amazing I'd love to travel with Sven he's a little bit too big and a little bit too rebellious <laughs> to, for a life on tour I was going to use the word unpredictable but yes I know I like I like rebellious um, can I ask you a quick question about towels because from what I've gathered and I don't know if you've had a closer look if you're a player your options are bath sheet uh, this is on court I, I'm not talking about where they're staying but your options on court are bath sheet or flannel that's the only differential I've seen in size. Have you seen a middle one? Because we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? It's just one. I think it was Vavrinka had a really teeny tiny towel. It's a flannel. It's like a hand. It's like a face flannel, and that's it. Or there's a bath sheet that was was as tall as Sasha Zverev, and he's six foot six. And this bath towel, if he stood it up, was the same height as him, which is on clay. It's like having a towel on a beach. And you've got sun cream. You're a bit sweaty, and there's sand and the towel, and it's just horrible. These bath sheets, the poor bull girls and bull boys. You know, sometimes the players just sort of casually toss the towel towards them. A couple of the smaller variety of bull boy and bull girl are nearly getting knocked over because there's a whopping great bath sheet heading at them being thrown pretty at quite heavy in a nice way but it's sort of being lobbed towards them but I haven't I just wondering if you'd come across anything in the middle no I haven't yeah you know what it's not always in a nice way is it to be fair <laughs> but they are they are absolutely huge I genuinely do not own a towel that big there's no need for it whatsoever and then the the tiny flannel is just not really going to get it done I don't think um and it's really windy so the towels are kind of flapping around all over the place and it oh yeah it's just a bit uh, yeah I don't know they just need a, a normal just a normal why can't people just do things normally I don't understand just a normal size towel would be absolutely perfect can I ask you um, a tennis question of all things um, but during the rain delay I spent a little bit of time on a, an Australian radio station called First Serve and um, Sam Groth was was there as one of the guests and they were just asking some questions about Rome and what's it like and I said wet really they said oh there's a, are we here there's a, a few drops of rain in Rome I was like well yeah, it might not be any play today and they went oh right okay um, but they were just asking a few this the, the, the sort of main questions they'd ask about um, Roger Federer coming back here and the increase in the ticket prices and is it a crisis with Rafa Nadal and etc etc but they asked me and I'll get your answer on this Serena Williams had to withdraw a knee problem she would have met her sister Venus as we know in the next round, they asked, do you think Serena Williams will win another Grand Slam? We know she's trying to equal and go past Margaret Court's record. Do you think Serena Williams will win another Grand Slam title? Well, what did you say? I would like your answer. And I'm going to ask Arv for his answer as well. <laughs> Arv can nod or shake his head as, as you tell me what you think. Well, I think that she's going to be in the mix. So she's going to have a chance to do that. But, yeah, I just think that things will fall into place. She's in the mix. She's she's one of the top players. Anyone really in the top 10 can win a slam. She's playing at that level. So I think that at some point it will fall into place that she will win another one. 
But as I say that, I now think I shouldn't have said that. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, Arv, how about this for an answer from from Arv? You can't ignore the greatness. I like this. I, I feel this has been planned. This feels like one. Of, this feels like a, a slogan for something. You feel it could be on a, like a t-shirt or on the side of a racket bag. You can't ignore the greatness, but it's getting tougher. How about that? I think that's quite a diplomatic answer, though. Arv is very rarely wrong. Arv is very rarely wrong, but I think that's got splinters in it, that answer. I think, I think that's, a, that's a splinter-filled answer, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would say. But it's Serena, isn't it? It's a shame that we didn't get the Serena-Venus match, but I feel like Serena's got a, some issues with the body and she got a match on clay which she kind of needed going into Roland Garros I know it's only one match and people think oh how can she do that but remember she used to finish her season at US Open after winning the US Open then basically not play until the Australian Open maybe dabble in a bit of Hotman Cup turn up for the Australian Open she basically hasn't played a competitive match for four months and still win it and wouldn't play competitively on grass would practice on grass but wouldn't play competitively on grass and then come win Wimbledon exactly so she just you know, to get one match under her belt, she's more prepared for this slam than she's been for plenty of others in her career. <laughs> so there's no need to worry. I would say my answer to Australia, um, if, if Australia were listening, um, had a couple of splinters, but I think I was more landing on the no, she wouldn't. Because I was just throwing into the mix the age, which has to be a factor. She has said she would like more children. So again, the age has to be a factor when you're a woman. You have to think about these things. I think fitness is going to be tough. I think she is, she's a superstar. She's juggling a family life with businesses. She's a spokesperson. She's doing adverts. There's, there's a lot of things going on. And her, her daughter, her family are her, are her priority. And she's working very, very hard. But at the same time, as she's juggling all these balls amazingly, all these other players are popping up saying, well, hang on a second, I can do this. And, and their focus is tennis. These players are coming through. Victoria Zarenka spoke very, very recently about Leo, her son, that's, that's the main thing for her. It's more important than tennis. But there's an awful lot of players out there who don't have that family yet. It's all about the tennis. They've got the game and they've got the belief. And that would be my only worry for Serena, putting all the other things in terms of fitness, etc., etc. is you've got this hungry bunch of people that can be selfish and can think it's all about me and it's all about playing and it's all about this. And it just... I, I think a few years ago she could turn up in a draw and immediately she appeared in that draw. She would be one of the favourites, if not the favourite. I just think that's becoming more difficult. Yeah, and I think the biggest impact on having a child is, is probably not the matches, it's the, the training and the life and making those choices. Because every time you go to training, you're going to have to leave your child. And if you're Serena Williams, do you really have to? You don't want to, so do you really have to? No, you don't really have to. So maybe one day you'll say, actually, you know what, I'm going to hang out with Olympia today. That sounds like a fun day. And of course, you know, you, you can. It's, it's a choice, isn't it? And those choices just become a little bit harder. Or you get somebody who brings Olympia along to the practice session and then she's at the side of the court. So you have that little bit of a distraction. And, and I think that the bulk of the practice work that she always used to do uh, is, might be a little bit, compromise but only just through choice but she always used to be able to not practice and go and play whereas I, I agree with you I think now with the body struggling you know later in her career she hasn't won a slam for some time she kind of just needs that practice needs needs the matches so that she can feel a bit bit better on the court but I mean still the way she wallops the ball I mean she could she could she could go out there and play in this rain and she could be anyone she could be playing on mud it's really is 
phenomenal. And I agree with Arv, don't ignore the greatness. And it's still very open in the women's. There's no one really dominating. You can say Osaka, but it's still a bit hit and miss with her. Okay, she's won two Grand Slams and done phenomenally well. She's the world number one. But there is no one dominating. So you could see, say at Wimbledon, the draw opening up and Serena just stepping through it because she is so good at winning those pressure moments. And if she's in a position, which she was actually last year at Wimbledon, when you have players reaching the fourth round or the quarterfinals and it's their first experience of that they're going to be overwhelmed she says oh I do this in my sleep quarterfinals of Wimbledon that's just a warm-up you know so she's just going to wrap those matches up and yes I just feel like a draw will open up and people will be overwhelmed playing against her and she might come through yeah I don't know she made two finals didn't she since she's come back can she get that final win and get over the line and then and then win the, the title. I mean, it was quite one-sided when she played against Kerber at Wimbledon. I don't know. She definitely can. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's a little bit more, as you say, she needs the door to open up, whereas before I don't think she needed to open up. I think she needed to turn up. But I think now there needs yeah. to be a little bit of opening up within the door. And, and the children, it's, it's, it's that juggling act, isn't it? Because they are... Uh, I was speaking about this earlier with Arv about Fabio Fanini, and we had a lovely interview with... Flavia Panetta on ATP Tennis Radio and she said oh Fabio's definitely grown up and he's got myself he's got Federico who turns two on Sunday and she said I'm a full-time mum but I like to come to tournaments so I can bring Federico so he can be a distraction for Fabio and that's really nice so you can relax and Roger Federer has spoken about how and the children there it is relaxing and it is relaxing and it is wonderful you do switch off but at the same time I sometimes find this with what I do it's so nice having the boys there but when they are I can't concentrate quite as much so if they come to a tournament they're kind of in the back of my mind and then I want to get back to them as soon as possible I want to leave them as late as possible are they okay and when I'm with them I want that time to be so precious because I'm feeling bad that I'm leaving for sort of 10-12 hours a day which can happen at a tournament so you get all those so sometimes it's better if they're not there and I say the goodbyes which I have to say as they get older are getting harder and harder because they start asking questions where are you going when are you coming back will you be late oh no not tennis again when will tennis finish is tennis sleeping does tennis wake up and you're thinking oh so it 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 does get harder but once you've made that break and you've got to that tournament you can focus 100% on what you're doing when they're there it's wonderful but then there's all those other things that come into the mix that that you think about and you worry about so it's it's which is why it's incredible that the likes of Serena Williams and Victoria Azarenka are doing what they're doing and that Kim Kleister was able to come back having had a baby and win a Grand Slam title I mean it's look it's absolutely it's incredible I think whether you're an elite athlete or you're just a mum juggling babies and jobs it's 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 pretty impressive and, and it's also pretty difficult to to get that mix yeah and I think everybody's can understand that it's maybe more difficult for mums than it is for the dads but it does have a profound effect on the dads like you were talking about with uh, Fanini and I think for uh, we've seen it in Murray and Djokovic and they talk about it all the time and Federer so desperately wanted his kids to see him playing and see him winning and and he's had the chance to do that and that's a part of the motivation as to why he's still playing so that they get to come and see him make yet another acceptance speech okay shut up dad come on now Let's go and have some pizza. <laughs> That's probably what they're thinking. Um, but they are old enough now to understand what they're watching and actually get a real sort of sense as to who their dad is. Because it's weird, isn't it? Because when you think about your parents, you don't really... You, never, you just don't know who they were before you knew them. So I, you know, my parents had me in their late 30s and I, I've got no idea who they were, how they were different or really what they were doing. I think my dad played a bit of cricket or something, but I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> 
So, and even if you ask them, even if you're far more inquisitive than I am, it's sometimes it's difficult to, to get a good grasp. So, I mean, firstly, the top players have got a lot of it documented. They can at least show some videos and say, this is what I was doing. This is where, where, what my life was before I had you. But it is really nice that, they, that the, the ones that have the kids are a little bit older. So you've got Djokovic and Federer particularly stand out. And they do have their kids courtside sometimes, maybe at the end of matches. I don't think they're too interested in, in the bulk of a five-set match. But, <laughs> but when someone tells them, oh, daddy's nearly won, they'll say, okay, right, we'll pop out. Um, and, and that is really nice. They get a full understanding as to the greatness that is one of their parents. Now, we're working on the same tournament, but we're recording this separately because the weather was such that no one would give in to leaving the comfort of their commentary box to get wet to join the others. So by the miracle of, of technology, we've been able to speak to each other. But I think the time has come. It's, it's lunchtime. It's a little bit later now, lunchtime in Rome. I think it's time to, well, find out if we're going to get some play. You can find out who owns that dog. And, and I think I'm going to have some lunch. Oh, and Arv's, Arv, Arv has just looked at me with that sort of withering, if I don't eat now look, it's going to be trouble. This is the man that's given us the statement. I'm not sure if we can use it. You cannot ignore the greatness. Okay, can we just... Okay. Don't just, ignore Arv anymore. You can't ignore his greatness. I'm not, gonna, I'm not ignoring Arv. I'm not ignoring the greatness. But I think this is right now. It's getting tougher because he's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, <laughs> so, so we've, we've got to sort that out. So that's something that I've got to address now. And if it means getting wet... Going to get wet. I don't okay. mind. Let's go and get wet. I'm, I've got my hood up already. Okay, enjoy the rest of the day in your commentary box. The hood looks lovely. Um, I don't have a hood, so I mean, that's just it. So um, I'll try and stay warm and dry and probably try and cross paths at some point. Maybe. Yes, I'm sure we'll, we'll find each other. I'll see you in the zoo. How about that? I look forward to it. See you then. Play Spot the Puppy. <laughs> Can't wait. See you later. Just don't tread on it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.